0: She reached toward the bowl of the sky. Her exhausted yawn came out as a ragged snarl as she stretched. She desperately needed a reprieve from the all-encompassing greatness of her inner city surroundings. Warm rays of the awakening sun caused wispy clouds to streak across an orange-violet-tinged sky with the same soft, cool kisses that blew through her hair. The detective wiped her eyes with the backs of her hands as she felt her eyes tear up from her allergies and tiredness. Doing so made her face feel sticky, but she was too worn out to really mind. She needed to understand what had recently happened here. Amanda Freak at Police 37 returned her attention back to the scene. It was a nondescript intersection of a once-thriving brownstone neighborhood. Now, the streets seemed always unnaturally empty. She stood at the end of what used to be a broad grassy median. There was more hard-packed dirt than grass now. A pair of brand-new black basketball shoes lay among the chunks and pieces of broken cement curb. The high tops, almost touching, were in a pigeon-toed formation. The left shoe was on its side, white sole glowing orange from the rising sun, laces splayed in opposite directions. The other shoe sat in a pool of dark-colored liquid which mirrored the lonely streetlight. It rose like a tiny volcano from... What is that? Blood? Two hours earlier, the sun had just begun to inch up the bottom of the city skyline. Amanda Freak at Police 37 was idling in front of a 24-hour laundromat in her beat-up police cruiser. She finished up her previous evening supper for breakfast. She licked her fingers, then wiped them on the flyer she had snatched from the corkboard just inside the door. She had found that dog. Not quite satisfied, the detective went back in and utilized another flyer. It read, Hinkle for mayor 2025. There was a faint scream from a girl or young woman. The detective looked up and down the street, not sure if her tired mind was playing tricks on her. She hurried back to her car, cutting off her air conditioning, still listening. After a few moments, she heard another definite scream and, no, from behind her. Amanda Freak at police 37 shifted the cruiser into drive, stomped on the accelerator while throwing the steering wheel hard around twice to commit a U-turn. She scattered the gang of pigeons which had been soliciting her vehicle. Sorry, guys, she winced. The detective guesstimated that the cry had emanated about 75 meters east of her position and roared through the first intersection before slowing down, her eyes moving from side to side prying into the shadows She dialed up the night vision on all her windows, but kept her front driver's side window down so she could hear better. Immediately, heat signatures materialized in front of her car and in her rearview mirror. boiler steam from a manhole cover caressed the hood of her vehicle, momentarily blinding her. She paused and leaned her head out her open window, passing perilously close to a jaywalking orange tabby. It's your lucky day, she quipped and continued on. As the cruiser advanced, it continuously cycled a pre-programmed list of scans, location-based internet pictures, holographic schematics, overlaid thermal images on mostly empty buildings. The few occupants appeared to all be in bed. Most of them were asleep. As the detective passed an alley, she saw three forms huddled together between a smoldering fire barrel and the brick alley wall. Cruiser's two drones were automatically dispatched. Their chemical sniffers, sonic systems, and facial recognition systems were activated. Pop-ups and biographies, breathing readouts, pulse indicators, populated her glasses. At least one of the persons was drunk. Chemical readouts about the smoke barrel indicated the presence of cooked drugs, but pulsating biorhythms indicated everyone was in REM sleep. Detective Freak! Detective! Can you hear me? Amanda, wake up. Detective Amanda Freak at Police 37 lazily opened one eye and stared into the face of a middle-aged, dark-skinned man with a gray beard. Old Nigel. His eyes searched hers intently with concern. Welcome back. If you think you are going to check out before me, that's a lie. He smiled warmly. Amanda could feel the unforgiving street beneath her. She groaned as twin pains shot through the sides of her head. She tenderly touched the side of her cheek and eye socket, which were still swollen from when her head had struck the ground. Working her jaw from side to side, it happened again, she asked old Nigel. Nigel helped her sit up. I found you unconscious right here in the street. Your squad car is about a block back that way right by the clothing automat. It's not like you to leave your door open, so I came looking for you. Your gun and satchel are both here untouched. A unclasped her face and hugged her knees, looking at Nigel. Once again, you are my knight. The old man grinned and swatted away the compliment, then grabbed his lapels. I wouldn't exactly call all this armor, cocking an eyebrow as he stood up. He helped... The detective to her feet. Nigel looked thoughtful for a moment. Then suddenly he leaned forward, whispering in chastisement. Seriously, Amanda, you have got to do something. I may not be around the next time you pass out. Go get yourself looked at. Oh, yeah. You are one to talk, Nigel. When was the last time you've been to see a doctor or dentist or even in the inside of a grocery store? Five, ten years? More like twelve, since everything changed over. You know I don't trust the system. nodgily warily eyed her badge. Outside of you, is that one of those... That new camera badge more of a statement than a question. I have to go. He began to walk away. You are still part of the system, so go see someone. Nigel, wait, wait. This, this isn't a cam badge. They're trying to get me to wear one. That I've been dragging my feet to go over to requisition. Look, I can't go to see anyone about these blackouts. If they find any significant change from my last physical, they'll pull me off the street and probably put some rook in the zone who doesn't get how things work in these neighborhoods. Do you really want that? Also more statement in question. Nigel stopped and half-turned toward the detective. Look, Amanda... You are a decent, honest cop, and everyone around here respects you and how you went from being just another hood rat to where you are. But times are getting harder, even more than when you were on the streets. There are some new shakers outside of here with pull on the inside. The tech in your car, the tech in your bag, the tech on you and inside of you is worth a lot. Like I said, you're lucky an angel patrolling contacted me about you. I know the truth, but a lot of people think you're just another generic Sandy woman. It's worth it for someone to confiscate you and all that tech, and you know what I'm saying. The detective's eyes grew bigger as a question came across her mind. Old Nigel now feeling perturbed. Yes, yes, I closed your cruiser door, and all the biometric compartments were still secured. You probably were just chasing someone before passing out. Anyway, I really have been here too long. With the right person to look you over, you'll be all right. Old Nigel picked up his AI cane and placed it on his shoulder as he walked briskly away. The cane's red mono-eye winked at her. During their coded conversations, they never said goodbye, since they saw each other every day. Usually in the passing, as Nigel made his rounds among the trash cans and dumpsters. They lived in a comfortable relationship of code-speak. Nigel saying that times were getting tough meant that the pickings in the trash must be getting correspondingly lower as well. Nigel and a network of angels looked out for the street children across the three neighborhoods. They had developed mutual expectations. Amanda was always careful to leave food and a few credits hidden in the refuse. Nigel knew that she would add more to help meet the need. And out appreciation for Nigel's search and rescue efforts today, Nigel knew people. He indirectly provided invaluable intel about local happenings in the community in an effort to maintain the special balance of the various forces at work. Amanda also knew from her just mentioning that she was unwilling to go to one of the many registered medical facilities that she had set in motion a series of events that would lead up to a visit to her home by an illegal alien physician posing as a repairman or wayward John. Amanda eyed two young Sandys, one with red hair and the other with jet black hair, both in ultra-high skirts, coming out of a building and head towards the border, which was the shared thoroughfare between the middle neighborhoods. This was the only place where registered prostitutes could officially work. She stared dubiously as the young woman swung her hips and enhanced rears with long practice strides. Did I ever have legs like that, she wondered. Amanda headed towards her squad car. As she walked, blinds and curtains slid apart to the side and closed again, like dominoes. Peeping drug spotters and grandmas hinting at the real action, which took place in the back rooms and alleys and other secret places in a big city. She examined herself in the panes and windows as she passed. A slightly older, more serious-faced Sandy stared back at her, It had never really been the burn of jealousy one might expect from a woman about another woman who looked just like her. Unlike those girls, and the hundreds of women exactly like them all over the city, she had a secret. She was the first Sandy. This fact made her life both tolerable and much more dangerous at the same time. There were two and a half generations of Sandy models sold by six companies. The first series of Sandys were expected to live up to 50 years before they broke. A molecular fix was made for the next generation which should be able to live 60 years. All these women are real women with real feelings, their own personalities, and real souls. What they had in common was that besides being physically identical, they were all barren. Moreover, Attempts to reduce the cost and speed up the production of Sandy models by cloning another clone had failed. The third series was expected to change all that. In addition, a full lifespan of service into beyond the 80s, next gen Sandys would come with custom order body types, custom heights, skin tones, and the ability to add additional appendages suitable for their service requirements. Their cells should also be viable for reproductive purposes. What the manufacturers needed for the final phase of research and development to achieve a fertile Sandy clone was the original Sandy. There was an unofficial bounty on Amanda's head. Every Sandy who was classified as first generation was on a recall list to receive a supplemental booster under the guise of public safety. The women were actually being tested and systematically ruled out as the original before being marked. Amanda had avoided detection so far by using her credentials as a detective. Amanda had looked into her face hundreds of times as a streetwalker, drug user, or housewife, bought and paid for by their owners. They all had traceable bio-histories, and she had stolen bits and pieces to adjust her file. Her own master was supposedly a high-ranking military officer from a good family who was rarely home. As long as her sandy tax was paid, there were few people interested in digging into her background. Most of the people in the communities fell into one of five categories. The new families, looking for a cheap place to live. Chick socialites, looking for a dangerously exciting playground. Three, the sugar daddies, also looking for a cheap place for their entertainment. Four, the wanderers and street teens. And then there were the old families themselves. They rented anonymously to the new families and the Johns. Most of these people didn't last. Young families inevitably moved to a burb or deep downtown. The adventurous got bored and left or overdosed and left. The wanderers, well, they wandered elsewhere. Who was left were the ever-growing population of street teens and the johns which fed upon them. Nigel and the angels also fell into their own group. Along with Amanda, they did what they could to help the street teens. Many of them runaway Sandys. Amanda herself, a product of the street's arrested the most violent of the Johns and turned a blind eye to the illegal street economy which provided the Angels food and housing without arousing the ire of the old families. Amanda understood the neighborhood because she had risen from the ranks of street teens and wanderers. She, with the help of a particularly enlightened She-John, a Bourbonite professor who had moved her into her home and helped her complete her education online, changed things. Amanda applied and was accepted into the police academy. Before her sugar mama realized it, Amanda was on her way out. They parted ways with mutual understanding. In a strange way, Amanda knew her she-john really cared for her, but things had changed. She was instrumental in getting Amanda a place with Nitro. All Sandys were naturally athletic, but Amanda had an unusual affinity at handling firearms. She earned the respect of the members of the squad, Nitro, an elite drug interdiction unit composed of both city police and contractors hired by the mayor. With her knowledge of the three neighborhoods, Nitro ran out the violent street gangs. Then they were disbanded, and Amanda was assigned to work the zone alone. Amanda walked over to the railing beside the laundromat and stared down. They were adjacent to an old stone viaduct. There was the body. In her mind, it's as if it happened yesterday. That's what had changed her. Before, she went through life as just another Sandy not knowing or caring about anyone or anything. Her best friend, and she had cut their hair the same, dyed their hair the same. Then she found the body. And Amanda ran down there. She caught the tail end of her friend's life. and her friend whispered make a difference that's the last words amanda heard from her friend amanda could remember the wailing and it was it was an unbelievable time suddenly There was a scream from a girl or a woman. Amanda looked up and down the street, not sure if she was hearing things again. She ran to her car. Once again, she heard a noise. No! Amanda slammed the door and shifted her squaw car into drive.